Well, hey, everybody. Kim Honeycutt here. I am the executive director of ICU Talks, and you are a part of our podcast, Hear Voices. So glad you're a part of this. And you're about to just get your heart just touched and maybe your mind blown a little bit. Not sure. You're about to hear the 20-minute speaker for the month of September. Her name is Tiffany Pate. We've been friends for quite a while, and she just took that stage and just left it all on the stage. So if you struggle with any type of emotional struggle, any type of mental illness, and you have questions about medication, there might be some answers in the next 20 minutes for you. So enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'll see if I'll make it through this without crying this time. Okay, so yes, I am Tiffany. I was here last year and got to talk about my story and how I grew up and how I have the big jazz hands. I will do this this whole time. I'm sorry, it's a habit, I can't help it. But um, it's really amazing. Like I love when people say that I love telling stories, because I do. I talk a lot, but I think stories are so vital and so important. And the story that I'm going to tell you tonight was not the story I was planning on. Um, yesterday, about four o'clock in the afternoon, I was going through what I was going to say today, and I felt like God goes, oh, that's cute, but that's not, not going to happen. No, no. I want you to talk about the other thing. And I'm like, uh-uh, no, nope, not doing it, not doing it. But I'm doing it, because <laughs> we all know he will take us kicking and screaming, and I'd rather not do that, so I'm just going to be obedient and talk to you guys. So last year when I stood up here, I was talking about how I tried committing suicide for the first time when I was nine, that I had struggled with it for years and years and years, and the last time I tried, it was when I was pregnant with my five-year-old daughter. And I talked about how important it was to let other people into your story and how important it is to have people that knows your junk and they call you up and lift you out. But then I did the exact opposite this year. I started closing myself down. I started feeling like I had already conquered this. Like I already won this battle. I'm good now. I don't need to keep fighting. I don't need to keep fighting my bipolar. I don't need to keep fighting my anxiety. I've done it, I've checked off the boxes, and now I'm good. Which is an incredibly dangerous thing to do. We know that, we know we need community, we know we need other people, and as soon as you start saying, I, 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 that's when it crumbles. I was reminded of a saying that um, pride comes before the fall, and I wish I was reminded of that, like, last year, not like last week, because that probably would have helped a lot. Because July 12th of this year, just a couple months ago, I walked into the mental health ER. Because I hadn't slept in five days. I hadn't felt anything in weeks. And I caught myself hearing stories about other people that had lost their battles and was jealous that I wasn't gone too. I'm not going to make this through without crying, guys. 
but I was. And it was the hardest thing that I had ever had to do because I was good and I had been good. And I felt like a failure. Sorry. I felt like a failure. I felt like I had all this opportunity and I had done all of this work and now all I'm doing is sitting here wondering what my husband's next wife would be like and if she would love my kids as much as I do. So I'd spent a couple weeks on my couch. Sorry guys, we're just gonna sop that up a little. Not feeling anything, not being able to remember what it felt like to be happy, not remembering to what it felt like to be sad, having my daughter curled up beside me and not feeling joy, not feeling anger, not feeling hurt, not feeling anything but total and utter darkness. Somehow, well, God, I ended up actually going to Charleston for a girls weekend, which I know sounds really, really random, but I had already had it planned and I was bound and determined to show up because I had gotten really good at putting on a brave face, shoving it all down and people pleasing until I was blue in the face. But what I didn't realize is that my people pleasing, it wasn't a mask of having a brave face. All it was was a way to create walls to be okay while not being okay at all, to not let people into my story and not let people be present in what I was going through. Luckily, my friend in Charleston can see straight through that, so that was fun. Um, so I go down to visit her for the weekend, and she wants us to go to church. And I said no, which is really not me, but I had just spent three months during this period having a panic attack every time I stepped into church. It's like everything was trying so hard to keep me from Christ and so hard to keep me from community and so hard to keep me from reaching out. I finally say yes and I get to service and there's this amazing thing going on in our church in Charleston. Um, they have this fire that is in them right now where people are getting prayed over and God is doing amazing, miraculous things. And my friend says, you want to get prayed over? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm like, I'm seriously good. A little later in the service, she's like, so you want to get prayed over? I'm like, nah. No, I'm good. See, because I grew up a Christian TV kid. So I grew up seeing people smacked in the forehead, praise Jesus, and then getting a paycheck later. So it was a very confusing childhood. So I'm like, no, I don't want to play this game. Like, I don't want to I don't, I don't play this game. So at the end of service, she's still giving me side eye, and I'm like, I said no. Like, but I saw my friends on stage, people that I have known for a decade. People that I have... One of them was in high school ministry when I volunteered in high school ministry. Like, I've known these people forever. And I walk up to say hi, because they saw me and I couldn't, like, duck out, but it's okay. So I walk up to say hi. And one of them looks at me and he's like, how you doing? And I lost it. I was like, I am not doing good. 
I'm like, I have panic attacks every time I go to church. I haven't slept in days. I am walking into the mental health ER next week, and I don't know how or why I am back here. I don't know where God went. I don't know where my peace went. I don't know why this is where I'm at again. And he looked at me, and he goes, sit. And I was like, yes, I'll sit. <laughs> okay. So I sat down, and he went, and he gathered an army. And they circled around me. Some of them I didn't know. But by the end of it, and all the snot and tears, we were really close. <laughs> so they gather an army around me, and I'm just standing there. And I close my eyes. And then there's all these hands on me in appropriate places, but all of these hands, <laughs> just all these hands, and they start praying. And they start saying things that had been in the deep, dark parts of my mind that I had never told anyone. They start praying things that people had told me years ago that there was no way they knew them. I'm like, we were close, but we were not close enough for me to tell you that story. And then the same guy that told me to sit, he says this. He goes, God, I come against the false belief that medication and your holiness cannot coexist. I come against that bondage that tells you you have to choose between one or another. I had no idea that that was a thought that was rattling in my head, but as soon as he spoke those words, it felt like every pressure comes off, came off my chest. I crumbled. I was being held up by other people. It was the most freeing experience of my life. And I've done a lot of the work. I've done a lot of the prayer. I've done a lot of the fighting. I have done the therapy. I have done the medications. I have done all the things. But in that moment, that root was dug out for the first time, and it was the most awe-inspiring moment of my life. So after that, I still came home. I went to the doctors. I got medicated. Thank God. I have finally gotten to that point. But that, I think, and I don't, I'm not going to speak for everybody. That is a dangerous thing to speak for everybody. But I know for me, that struggle of believing that either God is going to heal me or I am going to be medicated is a dangerous, dangerous lie I think so many of us buy into. I bought into it for years. I was unmedicated and not going to therapy and not doing the things that I needed to do for five years, and I wonder why I crumbled, and I wondered how I crumbled. Could you imagine being diabetic and not taking care of yourself for five years and then being shocked when you're not doing good? Why is it okay for people that have mental health issues or people that have addiction, people that have all these things to think that they can put it on the shelf and still be okay later. I truly believe that we are, as a 
body of Christ are under attack in such a huge way. And it's such a simple thing. It's the simple thing of realizing God can do and heal in any way he wants to. And who are we to say that the only way he is going to do that is over prayer? Who are we to say that the only thing that is going to work is a miraculous, your bushes are on fire in front of your house kind of moment. God can do that. I don't want him to do it to my bushes, please. But, please, but he can do that. So why? Why do we believe it's one or the other? I will be completely honest. Going on medication was the hardest thing for me to do. It was hard for me to tell other people. It was hard for me to even talk to my husband about it. He honestly got so frustrated with me, he threatened to, like, call Kim himself. And that, <laughs> that's how, that, that's where we were at. I was like, yes, sir, whatever, I will go. No, we're not. <laughs> no. But that's the power of having the people in your community people that know your stuff, the people that get in your face, and the people that are wise and say, you can have it both. You can have a God that heals and is going to do a great, wonderful work within you, and you can also have a prescription bottle by your bed. You can also have worn a hospital bracelet, which I will tell you is a humbling, embarrassing, but beautiful thing at the same time because that means that you're still fighting. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation when you are walking through the path that God has given you to walk because he's there. He has conquered, and we are fighting. That was the biggest problem I suffered was that I believed that I was the conqueror. I had it figured out. I was good. I didn't need the help. I didn't need the medication. I didn't need the therapy. I had conquered. But that pride is a lie that is used so many times against us. We are warriors, and warriors are stronger together. Warriors are stronger when you come together for a common goal, and that common goal is love. That common goal is Christ. That common goal is being in a community and accepted and cherished. There's this quote that I read, and I'm going to read it to you. It's from Ann Voskamp, who loves Ann Voskamp. And she posted this on World Suicide Prevention Day, which was last week, I believe. And she says, There's no stigma in saying you're sick because there's a wounded healer who uses nails to buy freedom, crosses to resurrect hope, and medicine to make miracles. Don't treat those who hurt with hurting insides any less than. You get them the most treatment. I wanted the brave to speak up. Shame is a bully, and grace is a shield. You are safe here. To write it on the walls and write across runes, no shame, no fear, no hiding, always here. If we only knew what fire every person is facing, there isn't one person we wouldn't help fight their fire with a heat 
of greater love. And I love that. I love the imagery of a heat of a greater love. Like, think about that. There is a greater love than any of us can ever experience or, be a part, or know until we are in the presence of God. I always remind my husband, and my husband likes to remind me, whenever we get worried about our kids, God loves them more than I can ever do that. More love than I could ever give them. But I think we forget that he loves us with that too. Does anybody else, like, it's super easy to believe the best for anyone else. It's super easy to believe that God is going to show up. God is going to do a miracle. God is going to heal. God is going to speak to anyone else but ourselves. I wonder if it's because of fear. I wonder if we're scared that we're going to expect something and he's not going to be there. I wonder if we're ashamed, if we feel ashamed for our experiences or what we're walking through or how we're handling a situation so we don't think he's going to show up. I wonder if we're isolating ourselves and pulling ourselves out of that community and out of that hope and out of that love and then wondering why he's not showing up. My hope, my prayer, sorry, is that we come to a point where we are sick and tired of watching people lose their battle. That we become sick and tired of sharing memes that says, check on your strong friends. Can I tell you, that drives me crazy, y'all. Check on all your friends. Be the person that you want another person to be for you. We cannot fight this battle on our own. We can only fight it with Christ. We can only fight it with community. And we can fight it with a little pill that I take every night by my bed while I'm doing my quiet time listening to worship music. And it is all okay. It doesn't negate the power of my faith. And God does not look at me any different or any less because I take my medication every night. I am incredibly thankful now to be on this side of July. I am I am also a little shocked that I made it through July. But that wasn't me. That was not me. There's no way I would have done that on my own. That was God whispering things in my heart. That was God lining things up. It was God using my friends and my family and community to just keep speaking little pieces of truth over and over and over again until it flamed up into that heat of a greater love. And I could hold my head high and say, this was my story. I'm going to keep walking through it. It doesn't mean that it's going to be pretty and rainbows from here on out. But I know that I will make it through it. Because I'm a warrior. And so are you. Thank you.